four seconds to go. The Penguins have jumped over the boards. It sails down to the Sharks in short-handed. It's over. Get in the fast lane, Grandma. The bingo game is ready to roll. The 2016 Stanley Cup champions, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Everybody, welcome to ShouldIDrinkThat.com, episode 119, Hogtoberfest. I am the Most Reverend Father Spoon, coming to you from the home of the 2016 Stanley Cup champion, Pittsburgh Penguins. I wanted to record this intro after the show was actually done, because uh, we go into talking about the Stanley Cup a little bit, and since it just concluded, I wanted to wait to see if we won or not. (laughs) I know, a little selfish of me, but uh, I wanted to see how the series was going to go because we do talk about it throughout the show, and mostly after the series wrapped up against Tampa Bay. And as of this past Sunday, the Penguins are the Stanley Cup champions. I'm still a little hoarse from it. I was at the Game 6 viewing party down at Consol Energy Center. I took my oldest son. Awesome time. $10 for a ticket. All proceeds went to the Lemieux Foundation. We had center ice seats. The kid won a Sidney Crosby autographed jersey from this uh, prize wheel that Mikey and Big Bob have during the second intermission, and the Penguins won the Stanley Cup. So we pretty much hit the trifecta that day for awesome things happening. Congratulations to the Penguins. A few things I want to bring up before you hear this episode. First of all, thanks to Katie and all the members of the Inner Circle for their hospitality at Hogtoberfest. Awesome time. Pretty much like today, blue skies, temperatures about 76, nice breeze coming through, fantastic time at Punxsutawney. Thank you once again, everybody that was involved there. First thing I want to bring up, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to Coney Creek Brewing, which is where Aaron and Lee were at. I got to talk to them for a little bit, but I didn't get a chance to drink their beer because it was such a crazy day, and I was bouncing from station to station and then helping out a couple people pour beers that I never got a chance to go over there and actually record with them, but I did get to talk to them. You guys need to check out the beers that they have there. Links to their website off of shouldidrinkthat.com, episode 119, show notes. Jared from Levity, thank you for the beer. I appreciate it. The, their black IPA is one of my favorite black IPAs of all time. And that went perfect with the barbecuing that I ended up doing that weekend. It was over Memorial Day weekend. That kind of leads into what's been going on with Should I Drink That. We're kind of expanding out a little bit. I've teased this for the last few months, and uh, the site was officially launched. We're going to talk about it more in episode 120, which I'm actually just now getting ready to record. So you're going to have a couple shows back-to-back. What's up with that? Not used to that, are you? Used to a couple months in between, it seems, the rate we've been going. So Yin's Love BBQ is now live. Yinslovebbq.com. Go check it out. It is for everything barbecue-related in Pittsburgh. Uh, pretty much, like, should I drink that got started, I had a fascination for craft beer, wanted to learn more, so I started a craft beer podcast. Same thing's going on with barbecue. I love barbecue. I think it works hand-in-hand with craft beer. Starting a barbecue site. 
which actually spawned from people coming up to me at Craft Beer Fest saying, where can I get good barbecue in Pittsburgh? With my manly physique here, you could tell I like to eat. So, of course, I would probably know where good barbecue is. Started asking a few people around town what the deal is. Had about five or six different restaurants. By the time I finished this project, at least the first part of this, Pittsburgh has over 40 barbecue joints in the area. So I'd say southwestern Pennsylvania, just to be safe. That's right, 40. Can you believe that? I, I can't. I'm still stunned by it. So there's a lot of places i got to go to and check out. But that's what I've been working on. Uh, busting my butt the last couple of months. Unfortunately, should I drink that, kind of had to get pushed to the side a little bit. But that's what's going on. Check that out, yinslovebbq.com. There's going to be a lot more going on with that soon. The biggest thing was getting the site just up and running and getting all the content together. There's going to be a lot of crossover between Yins Love Barbecue or Yins Love BBQ and Should I Drink That? Because beer and barbecue just go hand in hand. They're a perfect marriage. So check that out. Thanks for downloading this episode. You can follow Should I Drink That on Twitter and Periscope at SIDT. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Google Plus, Should I Drink That. Snapchat, SIDT Beer. Untapped, username is Spoon, as in the utensil. As always, you can check out shouldidrinkthat.com for all the latest updates. Enough of that. It's beautiful out. Let's get to Hogtoberfest, Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Beautiful day here in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. We're at Gobbler's Knob. It is probably like 76, 80 degrees out right now. Somewhat blue skies, nice and warm, good breeze. So we just wrapped up the homebrewing competition. Pretty decent competition this year as compared to last year. And Andy is here. Andy's opening a brewery. And Andy gets to judge homebrew. Tell us a little bit about the brewery you're opening and uh, actually everything that happened here today with the, uh, the homebrewing competition at Hogtoberfest 2. Sure, it's... um. Brewery owner is uh, Chris Brunetti. It's a 15-barrel production facility located in Oakdale, Pennsylvania. Um, we're shooting for an opening date of uh, hopefully the end of June 2016 now. It keeps getting pushed back with uh, permitting issues and, you know, like every brewery has. As far as the competition today, yeah, there was uh, we had 54 entries um, with 16 judges and five stewards. Um, the second year in a row doing it. Uh, the beer has drastically improved from last year, I think, so it's always good to see local homebrew communities improving their um, their products, um, you know, making better beer and coming together and organizing bigger and bigger events like this. Now, for somebody who hasn't entered a homebrewing competition that might think that it's it might be a little bit overwhelming if they're getting into homebrewing and they want to send their beers in, what's the process like? Sure. Well, it's, it's definitely the, the biggest way to... Um, get objective feedback you know about your beer that the the judges don't know whose beer it is they know what style it is and they have a set of guidelines so they're able to you know to help diagnose potential problems that you're having um, just kind of give you overall brewing tips on uh, what you might be doing wrong or how you can improve um, and the overall process of entering is pretty simple uh, most competition sites they have um, an online entry software application where you enter you pay usually you know seven to ten dollars per entry uh, and ship two bottles um, to the entry location or drop them off depending on where the location or where the um, where the competition is being held. I know in Pittsburgh our trash homebrew club uh, allows drop-offs at the uh, local homebrew supply shops. Um, other than that, yeah, we have uh, usually one or two sessions. The way that the judging works with one or two sessions, um, 
each team of judges judges roughly six to eleven beers, um, and then the the winners from those um, rounds go forward to a best of show round. But usually there's we had we had eight beers today, but there's as many as you know twenty four different beers in the best of show round. Now, is it safe to say that you are the winningest homebrew homebrewer in the in Pittsburgh? That we know of, or other than Keith Cost, who now lives in California, I think that's probably true for the moment. Which is why I say winningest in Pittsburgh now, because yeah, yes, we know, yes. because it seems like either your name or Keith's name seem to pop up for a couple years, going back and forth. And I'm, I'm very good friends with Keith too, so we, you know, he was definitely a, a mentor of mine. Uh, I've only really been brewing for probably uh, four or five years now, and uh, Keith has been you know, instrumental in, in helping me um, get to where I currently am. So, big shout out to Keith. So, what was it that got you started into homebrewing? Well, my wife liked um, woodchuck cider, and it was expensive, so I decided I'd try to make it myself, and I was terrible at it. Um, and then I decided I would try making beer. I was always kind of hesitant to make my own beer because buying cases of PBR was, you know, so much cheaper than, than trying to brew it myself. So, um, the first batch I, I brewed on my stovetop, I was trying to do a brew in the bag. I ended up burning the bag. I didn't turn the burner off and scorched the bag, and the beer was absolutely horrendous. Um, but just the the idea that yeah, I could always try to you know make very small changes and improve the beer drastically was was what kept me you know kept me doing it. Um, plus, I like drinking beer, so it's always a always a plus. That is absolutely a plus. <laughs> now you also have a web background too. You've yeah. got a technical background. Do you think part of that led into getting obsessed? Kind of, I, I want to call it obsession because. You've made a lot of beer. You've made a lot of sure. great beers. Is that part of? Do you think that's part of your tech background? Is the fact that you want to keep solving problems or, oh, or making things better? Yeah. Um, my actual degree is in graphic design. I kind of learned the technical side out of necessity to stay competitive in my my industry. Um, so I kind of bridge the gap. That's what I always say to you know potential potential clients. I kind of bridge the gap between um, you know artsy person and super technical person, or I'm able to kind of speak both languages and 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 do both roles. And it definitely is the same with beer, you know, being able to um, to get creative with, with recipes and have some, um, you know, creative freedoms and then also having that super technical side where you can really obsess over, you know, every little, you know, piece of the, the puzzle to make the perfect beer. That's, that's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer. That's, that's really good. I think that's why a lot of us get into it because I have a technical background too. I was a web guy. I was an IT guy. I I actually have my degree in interactive media design, <laughs> too. And then I, I got into the whole marketing thing. But I, the one thing that I've always loved with craft beer is being able to having almost full control. Like, how can I make this better? It's the same thing with, like, websites. Like, okay, this guy has a website. It could be a lot better. How can I take what he has and, and take it to another level? And it's also the opposite, too, that, you know, with, with everything that I don't have control over just in life in general, it allows me to, to obsess and completely control something you know having kids and you know everything doesn't always go the way you have planned but this this can go the way that you plan it to go if you put enough time effort energy and uh you know experience and wisdom and knowledge into it there's not too much that can go wrong like it can't think for itself and do something completely off the wall and you know you know blow up on you kind of thing the more you put in the more you get out now if you follow andy online you also know that he loves cigars how did the whole cigar aficionado, obsession, whatever you want to call it. Uh, how did that come about to go along with this? Sure. Well, 
um, my father-in-law is a big cigar guy, and we went on vacation a couple years ago, and I actually just quit smoking cigarettes um, two years before I really started brewing and doing the whole judging thing. The, the judging thing was kind of my, my way to um, take advantage of my renewed sense of smell kind of thing. Um, so I, I put all my energy and time into that, and then it just kind of is a natural um, natural progression with, you know, like uh, also like food and barbecue and, you know, things like that as well. It's just a, um extension of that, being able to taste and pick out different flavors and, you know, smell different aromas and taste different things and see different things and, again, to, you know, obsess over something so uh, mundane as a, you know, tobacco leaf or a, you know, stalk of barley kind of thing that it can be be something absolutely extraordinary if enough time and efforts put into it so what's your favorite craft beer and cigar pairing that's a good question i'm not really into into pairing too much yet it's still something i'm i'm focusing on and trying to you know to do better my my favorite beer of all time certainly is victory prima pilsner and uh i don't know uh favorite cigar is probably something hard to nail down there's so many good ones i haven't kind of kind of had enough and been able to to hone in enough to say something's truly my favorite yet i don't think i could probably give you top five or ten but we won't get into <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> should i smoke that could be the next uh... <laughs> i'm gonna buy that domain before the show even airs i've already got should i i think we have should i wrestle that should i eat that should i drink that and now should i smoke that perfect Really quick, uh, where can they find you online? Where can they find the brewery that's coming up so that people can keep up with what's going on with uh, what you guys have? Sure. Um, the website, it's it's almost ready to go. Um, we have a, just a holding page with some contact information. It's helicombrewing.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Um, I think we have an Instagram account as well. Um, check it out. Um, stay up to date on when we're hopefully opening and what we're going to have on tap. We'll have all the information uh, available on social media and our website hopefully sooner than later so where exactly is oakdale for people that are not sure. familiar with the, the they know pittsburgh but where in in the greater pittsburgh area because allegheny county is pretty big pittsburgh's kind of big um it's toward the airport if you're going out 376 and you get off on was it 2230 um, headed toward what's the amphitheater Star Lake it used to be called uh, First it might be fir- first See first now I, I would call it Star Lake yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah out that way it's yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's First Niagara I think it's First Niagara now but we would call it Star Lake and most Yinzers would say hey yeah I, I knew Star Lake I saw Donnie Iris out there I, that's where I go It's it's probably about um about 15 minutes from from downtown um you know toward the airport Robinson area Cool thank you very much we are here live from Hogtoberfest 2016, the second annual. Hopefully we have more of these because it is beautiful out today. Previous episodes of Should I Drink That, I think uh, maybe two or three episodes ago, this voice will sound very familiar to you. He's got a new gig, a bigger smile, and he's still damn sexy wearing a kilt. Virgil, thank you for joining me. Where are you at now? Thanks for having me. I am at the... Uh, the famous North Country Brewing Company in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania, a sleepy little uh, drinking town with an education problem. <laughs> Since I went to Pitt, I'm not going to make any comments about that. So, what beers do you have with you today? Uh, we've got our uh, flagship Firehouse Red, the, cor- uh, the, uh, the cornerstone of uh, North Country Brewing Company. It's our bestseller, uh, a crowd favorite. We've uh, got three of our seasonals. We've got Riparian Pale Ale, brewed with three different types of rye malt. Uh, it, it's, it's unique. We'll leave it at that. We'll let you try some. 
Uh, we've got uh, Bucko Blonde, uh, a nod to uh, the Pirates, of course, and uh, quite possibly uh, my favorite seasonal right now, the uh, the old two niner, which is a double IPA. Hat tip to Borky there. Poison the cup. You gotta love it. And how appropriate that you know we have that you know given the uh, recent events of the last you know a couple of days. So. Thank you, Tampa Bay, for participating in the playoffs. Enjoy your offseason. Beauty, eh? So what is it that you love about North Country? Because you're very passionate. As soon as I saw you, you're like, dude, we got to talk. What do you love about North Country? Uh, you know, at the risk of sounding trite and cliche, the answer is everything. I mean, the atmosphere is fantastic. The food's incredible. You know, everything about the beer has been spot on from day one. Ownership, management, everything about it. Um, honestly, I can honestly and confidently say I have never been treated better as an employee. Um, it's the kind of place where uh, individuality and uh, creativity and having fun doing what you do is pretty much a requirement. I love that. That's awesome. Maybe this will help answer your question. I was encouraged by our brewmaster and the man who interviewed me to wear my kilt to the interview. <laughs> if you guys have gone through the pictures throughout the years of Should I Drink That, Virgil is mostly likely the guy, the only guy that you'll see wearing a kilt in all of our photos. And he's, he's wearing one today. And it's also very hot out, so that's actually the best thing you could probably be wearing. Exactly. Well, well next year, your Daisy Dukes, which I know you have. Um, no, those are only for, like, really special Are occasions. those underneath the, the kilt? You don't want to know. <laughs> don't ask a question to which you don't really want an answer. So this one I do want an answer to. How much influence do you have on the, the recipe process? I, I know you're working with the brewing. But do they have, like, uh, it's kind of like how Dogfish Head has, like, their own offset brewing system so that they can kind of experiment. How much flexibility do you have with that? Uh, quite honestly, a lot. Um, since we opened the production brewery in 2013, um, most of our flagships and mainstays are, are produced there. So my primary role is brewing at the pub brewery, uh, actually on, on Main Street. And uh, I, I basically have the green light to... Just be creative and have fun. So I'm loving it. Um, Thursday was my first North Country original. Uh, I'm bringing back the fruit bowl. Um, we'll just leave it at that for now. We'll, we'll dangle the carrot a little bit. Come on out and check it out. Excellent. Where can people find you online? Online, we are at northcountrybrewing.com. The guy does it like he's a prof Oh, you are a professional. I know professionals. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of Hogtoberfest. It is a very scorcher of a day, but you're under a tent, and there's there's air flowing through here. And we've got beer, so cheers. So everyone get your butts out here next year because you're listening to this in the future. Bert, thank you very much for the interview. Thank you. I am at the Noblestein booth. Last time Zach and I talked, uh, there was a groundhog in front of us. He's not in front of us today, but uh, we are at Hogtoberfest 2016. Actually, no, the last time you, uh, so that was the last time you and I had talked on air. But we have met recently with the Master Jenga competition, which Team Noblestein beat Team SIDT. 
I will accept the gracious defeat because that was probably the most intense night of my life. I, I got to say, we picked up some high-quality free agents in Corey and Shayna, so <laughs> I, I, I would be at fault if I didn't give them some credit in this. It was a great night. Uh, thank you to Spoonwood and Jason Sircone for hosting the event. It was part of Pittsburgh Craft Beer Week, and the uh, accordion music, polka music, is about to get started here. So, Zach, since last time we talked, uh, what's going on with Noblestein? Yeah, we are essentially finished with our construction project that is the tap room. Um, our system is engineered to be super efficient. We've got space for 40 to 50 people uh, ready and waiting for licensure. Um, we've been working hard over the past few months to get things finalized and firmed up, and uh, we're looking forward to be open to the public. We're hoping for July time frame. July this year. July of this year. <laughs> I'm just making sure. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> well, because we, we've talked to a couple other breweries who were, uh, they were getting ready to open, and then they ran into some issues with uh, dealing with the state and de- dealing at the federal level. So I just want to make sure that it's going to be July this year because they were saying, oh, yeah, we're going to be open in a month, and then they got set back for two or three months, and then you know, stuff just happens, which is out, totally out of your control. It's, it's more into the federal control. Yeah, things are things are unpredictable. That's for sure. Um, but hey, we're working with everybody to ensure they've got the paperwork they need. Um, and I know that with the recent changes in legislation here in the state of PA, um, really, I think the legislators starting to work to actually encourage the, the the brewery industry. You know, six packs were just freed up what probably about a week ago now. So. So what do you think the biggest growing pain has been uh, getting everybody started? I would say that, generally speaking, the, the paperwork is, is probably, it's, it's expected to a certain degree, but it still feels like a surprise. Whenever you're entering this industry, you're passionate about producing a certain product. You, you want to engineer your system to be efficient. You want to make great beers. That's what it boils down to. And uh, what you don't anticipate is lots and lots of paperwork, despite advice that you get from other people. And it's no criticism. It's the reality of the world we live in. Um, You know, with the explosion of craft breweries across the country, um, the avenues that you have to take to really get proper permitting and licensure, they they have become overburdened. Uh, it's It's a good problem. The way, that, the way that I look at it is it's a good problem to have because you know that other people are getting out there and making quality products too. And that's the entire mission of all of this. So once you guys open the doors, um, are you going to do any canning, bottling, or is it going to be strictly drafts that are going to be coming out and kegs that go out to the different uh, distributors, bars around the area? Now, off the bat, we're going to do growlers and, uh, of course, pints in-house, and we'll be distributing um, we're not sure of our exact target radius yet, but we've been talking to a lot of local bars in Indiana County, as well as some in Allegheny and, and Westmoreland counties, too. Um, certainly open to a wide distribution radius, depending on what we can, you know, support from a capacity perspective. You know, this is something that we see plenty of demand uh, from from bars, from, from places that have... 40, 50 taps in places that have 10 taps. Uh, what we want to do is, is try and accommodate as many as those fo- of those folks as we can and, and really just get our product out there to see. So with the, the beer fest that you've gone to, what is the, the overall response? Man? What's your number one beer that people keep saying, oh, my God, I need to get more of this beer? That's a tough question to answer. We've had, I, I, I have to say, just 
really candidly speaking, that the, all of the beer fests that we've gone to have been amazing experiences from an encouragement perspective for me. Uh, the feedback that we get is just, it's so positive, and, it, and it, it's, it's the fuel that keeps my motor running with this whole process. Um, I would say two of the biggest names that we've got, and, and I may just be quoting mostly from Beers of the Berg, which was two weeks ago today, uh, but it was um, our Sweet Oak Stout. That's a, that's, a, that's a nice stout with oak and vanilla flavors. And then uh, Hop Hired Hand, which I, we won an award for about a year ago, actually. That's our Saison coming in at a hefty 9.5% alcohol. Um, it's got some nice fruity flavors to it, but no fruit in the beer itself. Um, and instead of the typical dry, peppery finish, like I said, fruitier and not quite as dry as your, as your you know, general Saison that's on the marketplace right now. Now, one thing that surprised me is you've got the Uncle Heffy here, and it's it's coming in at 6%. It's unlike most Hefeweizens that I've had before because it's, it's got a thicker body to it, and it, it kind of tastes like banana bread, and it's so good. I gushed over the Hop Hired Ham before. You guys might have heard that. that that's hands down one of my favorite beers. But the, this Hefeweizen, I've actually heard from other brewers here at the at Hogtoberfest this year, they said, you have to go try it, and it tastes like banana bread. It is, I'm not going to quote Ferris Bueller and say it's so choice, but it is pretty damn. Virgil, if you smack me on the ass, I'm going to kick you. He is wearing, <laughs> Virgil is wearing the kilt still, so it's going to hurt you a lot more than it's going to hurt me. Tell, <laughs> tell us about the Hefe, because, uh, I haven't had this before, and again, you guys come out with another beer that I'm like, I got to get more of it. How did the Heffy come around? You know, when you look at that style, I, our conversation about it before, uh, it's a little heftier than a lot of Hefeweizens. You know, that's that's become a, a bit of a signature point for us here at Noblestein. We want to take a style, and we want to look at it and see what we like and, and how we think we can improve on, uh, on a lot of the on a lot of the beers out there right now for sale. And uh, boosting it up a little bit, increasing the body, resulting in that 6% AV, ABV is certainly uh, one of the items that we felt we could use and, and be additive to the style itself. Um, I think it's, I think in terms of Hefeweizens, it's got a whole lot of flavor compared to a lot of its friends in the marketplace, uh, but it's still a smooth, a smooth beer. A lot of the feedback I've gotten today has been, you know, it's, it's still a refreshing beer. It's a great beer for a hot day, but it's also not, you know, water thin or anything like that. So I think it strikes a nice balance between heaviness and refreshing elements for the style itself. So who is it that's coming up with the recipes? Well, right now, uh, it's, a, it's a big team effort with recipes. Uh, we like to hash things out and, and talk about, as I mentioned, the, the elements that we like about a given style and uh, and throw some mods in there that are noticeable. You know, what we what we don't want to do is, is throw mods out there that effectively in a style don't make a big difference. That's why the Saison comes in at 9.5%. Everybody's going to notice that that's a, that's a notable departure from the typical. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's it's it's been a great team effort. Really quick, where can people find you online? Noblesteinbeer.com. We've also got Facebook, Twitter, and Untapped. On Facebook, we're Noblestein Brewing Company. So find us on there and give us a like. There you go, Noblestein Beer. That's Zach. Catch you some more from Hogtoberfest 2016.
Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was in bad shape. This is more proof that no matter where you go, you can talk about wrestling. I, I truly believe that it's a generational thing because, like, all of us grew up on wrestling, so we're like, hell yeah, Sheik, Sheik and Nikolai going up against you know Hogan and Slaughter. Yeah, that would happen. It's America versus you know the. The terrorist. Yeah, this is going to happen. Because this is the 80s. Sean Hoover, Super 7 six-pack, Dubois, Pennsylvania. You're hosting the VIP section this year. You've got a lot of swag out. You've got a lot of, I've been hearing a lot about the bottles that have come out. Uh, tell everybody about your store and uh, what you guys do in Dubois. Well, uh, we're located in Dubois. We have a bottle shop that consists of about 400 to 500 varieties of beer currently. We got 26 beers on tap. Uh, right now at Hoctoberfest, we're representing about 15 different styles of beer. We have three drafts and uh, 10 to 12 bottles right now. 26 beers on tap. Yes. And uh, I'm assuming they're all mostly craft beer, or where are they from? Yeah, it's straight uh, rotating craft beers. A little bit of everything. So how did you get into the business? Um, I've been in the business since 2012. It was actually right before the big craft boom and Dubois particularly. And uh, we've just been going strong. I, I try to get as much in as I can, and it's just been great ever since. Now, a lot of people wouldn't think of Dubois for having a craft beer market at all. So the big question is, how has the business been treating you? Because it's people that look at Dubois on the map are going, it's, it's central PA. It's, it's not Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. What can we expect in Dubois? Well, we actually have the biggest craft selection around. Um, when I took over the business, it was nothing. I think the, the craziest thing that they had in stock was Bud Light Platinum. <laughs> it was it was nuts. Um, I, I just consistently add beers, and then it just picked up, and everybody loves it. They, they're always asking for something new, and I just get in as much as I can. Um, I don't have a lot of room, so if, if you see our building from the outside, we're not very big at all, and then you walk in, and it's just like a gold mine of beer. Now, what I really love about your store, and I've been there as many times as I've gone to Dubois, I make it a point to stop there. I love the fact that you get the best of Pittsburgh, and you also kind of get the best of Philadelphia because you're right in the middle, so you kind of have the, the advantage of having the, the distributors of both areas, at least in central PA, being able to provide beers for you. Yeah, we're pretty lucky. We we got uh, pretty good distribution for where we're at. There are some things we can't we don't have access to that are in Pittsburgh, and we just can't get them up our way. But we do get a lot of stuff from uh, the Harrisburg Market, State College, Altoona, and then uh, we do get occasional stuff from Pittsburgh, but not everything. One thing that really impresses me is you guys get more brew gentlemen than I think we actually do in Pittsburgh. Do you guys have a, uh, a relationship with them, or is there? Do they really love the store? What's how? How do you guys get more brew gentlemen than we get? Uh, we we got a good relationship with them. We're friends with the brewers. Uh, the one brewer is from Dubois. The other is from Brookville. So we know them personally. That's kind of how we got the hook up with them. I believe we're the only people up this way that carry it outside of Pittsburgh. They don't distribute anywhere else. That is one plus side. Is I know that if we're if we're running out of beer in Pittsburgh, I know that I can make the short drive up to Dubois. And actually get beer from you guys that that I can't get back there. Unfortunately, they're running low on their beer right now. They're they're selling so much of it they can't even keep us stocked. So once once they start brewing more beer, it'll be nice to have it in full time again. So what's been one of your uh, big sellers since you started? Um, Is there a particular style or a brand that that maybe even surprises you that people are coming in looking for? Because a lot of people in Dubois 
if they're not into the craft beers, they're the Bud Coors Miller drinkers. So what's been, I guess, what's been the most surprising brand name or, or beer that people have been buying? I don't know necessarily about uh, brand name because uh, people buy a little bit of everything here and there. It's hard to keep up with our best sellers because they're changing every week. Um, I say the sours in general are picking up a lot. It, it's impressive that so many people come in looking for sours these days. Oh, that really surprised me. Sours. That's pretty awesome, too, because I love sours. So what are the plans going forward for Super Sub? I mean, are, are you guys going to expand? Are you going to stick with the same area? Well, as of right now, I don't have any plans on expanding or moving. Um, our current location, even though we're a little tight in space right now, it's going to have to do. I guess it's, it's all a matter of uh, when my lease is up in a few years and what kind of uh, damaged sheets decides to start doing to the business <laughs> whenever they uh, start selling beer everywhere after the uh, law that they just passed the other day or are trying to pass at least. So we'll see how that goes and uh, what happens to the market around here. You bring up a very good point. So recently in the state of Pennsylvania, the PLCB, which is the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board, has said that gas stations such as Sheets and Gecko and a lot of other places are going to be able to start selling beer. The way it's set up is the gas pumps are actually separated from the building that sells the beer. I know, it's a lot of BS, and if you talk to anybody from Pennsylvania, what we have to do to get beer in Pennsylvania is jumping through a bunch of hoops. So since Sheets will be able to start selling beer, and we all know that they have, that's initially what the, the pop caves that they've had, which are totally set up to sell beer, are now selling soda pop, sell pop. What could happen with a business such as yours, which is really right next door to a Sheets. Do we think Sheets is going to sell more macros, which we see down in West Virginia and Ohio and other places? A lot of the convenience stores sell the macro beers. They don't really sell the, the craft beers, such as like you might see a Sierra Nevada. But do you, roundabout way, what kind of impact do you think this is going to have on your business? Well, my business in particular in Dubois, I don't think it's really going to affect us much. I think they are going to go more the way of the macro brews, uh, domestics. They might throw an occasional craft beer. Um, where I'm located in the middle of town, it's a pretty good spot. So I don't see people driving out of their way to go to Sheets. The Sheets beside us in Dubois, I don't see them selling beer anytime soon, as long as they have to abide by the laws that are currently in place as far as the restaurant seating and whatnot because they just don't have the room for it at this time. But they are building a new one right down the road in uh, Falls Creek, which is about uh, three or four minutes away from us. I, I just don't see it affecting us, really, unless it's uh, people getting off the interstate, just traveling and passing by. I think we'll still have our regulars that are uh, committed to us and uh, shop with us frequently. When you're coming down Interstate 80, I-80, you'll notice that there's uh, multiple exits for Dubois. That's what a lot of people know Dubois for. Uh, the nice thing with Super Sub is that they're right off of the interstate. So if you need to make a craft beer stop on your way through, this is an excellent location to do it, and it's right by the sheets. When you were looking for a place to, to open up a six-pack shop or to, to buy one, I mean, is there something about the location that appealed to you, or was this like, I want to open one, I'm going to take the first place that comes available? Well, actually, it was an already an established six-pack shop that was in place. Um, I was a customer of theirs. I liked uh, their, their food, and I wasn't really into the beer when I bought it. It kind of just uh, came about, and I took advantage of it, and the, the market just happened to hit at the right time, and uh, I've been going hard ever since. Well, you've been doing a fantastic job with it. I know a lot of guys in Pittsburgh are talking about it. 
especially because they're jealous because you get a lot of beers that we can't get. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, where can people find you online? Because I, I know you're heavily active on Twitter. That's where we talk to these guys, and you'll see that we tweet them and retweet them a lot. Yeah, we do have a we have a Facebook and a Twitter. Uh, our Twitter is at Super Sub Six Pack. There's no C in pack, and um, we also have a website www.supersubsixpack.com. You guys definitely got to check out the uh, the draft selection. Very impressive when you come through. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'm here at the Wirebacher tent with Mike from Wirebacher. Uh, tell us about the beers that you have with you today. Uh, today I'm pouring uh, two of our uh, spring beers, um, a brand new one and uh, seasonal. Uh, the seasonal is Weyerbacher Wit. It's a 4.6 Belgian-style wit beer. Um, it's got a bunch of spices in there, coriander, star anise, uh, grains of paradise. Um, real light uh, summer beer, great, uh, great back porch beer. Uh, and then we also have our brand new Line Street Pilsner, which is a 5.3% um, hoppy pilsner. It's kind of in the Czech style of a pilsner. Uh, it's got Centennial and uh, Mandarina Bavaria hops in there. Um, so a little bit of a twist with uh, with a normal Czech style. We don't like doing things normal at Weyerbacher, so we added some uh, some non, uh, non-traditional non hops in there. Um, bright, crisp, real hop forward for a Pilsner. But um, again, 5.3%, very sessionable. Um, yeah, and that's, that's, uh, that's what we have going on right now. So what made you guys want to make a Belgian-style wit? That's not something we normally hear about when it comes to wit beers. We wanted, we don't like doing things the traditional way. So we, um, it's, it's a, Belgians are, are uh, something that we're good at. So we, tried, we decided to try our hand at uh, doing a Belgian wit. Um, this way we could experiment a little bit and add some spices in there and, and you know, some other things. Now, rumor has it that you guys are the one of the oldest craft breweries in the state of Pennsylvania. We are one of the oldest, yes. we're This this year in June will be our 21st birthday. Uh, we're having a birthday bash on June 25th. Look for tickets. Come on out and join us. Um, but we are, we're also doing a 21st anniversary beer, just like all of our past anniversary beers. It's going to be a 10-plus percent beer, uh, so it sellers very well. Uh, this year it's going to be our take on a... Um, a it's basically a chocolate... A maple chocolate bacon cake. Sweet. So it's going to be a stout with chocolate and a little bit of smoked malt for the bacon and a little bit of maple in there. Um, so it's going to be good. It's going to be good. The uh, The test batches taste phenomenal, so I'm looking forward to it. Where's that going to be available at? Uh, that is going to be available at the birthday party, and I think it might be brewery only and then limited release you know, around uh, around the brewery. So the name Weyerbacher might sound familiar to a lot of people. They have been around for turning 21, 21 years. What are the beers that you guys are most known for? Our flagship is Mary Monks. Uh, most people know Mary Monks. It's uh, our Belgian-style triple that we do. Um, a lot of people like that one, and 9.3%. You know, it's, uh, it's, a very, it's not a sessionable beer, but it is a very um, accessible beer for a lot of people. A lot of people drink that when they're first getting into craft and that gets them into craft because it's not super hoppy or super bitter or anything like that. And it's, uh, it's a uh, very popular with the, um, with the wives of craft beer drinkers. Um, they like it a lot and the husbands like that the wives like it. So, uh, it's a very good beer, but we also have, um, well, we're known for our big beer. So we have our Merry Monks, like it says, 9.3. We have our Blithering Idiot, which is 11.1% uh, barley wine. Um, we have our tiny, 
which is a Belgian style stout, um, imperial stout, if you will, and that's that's 11.8 percent. Uh, we have our double Simcoe, which is 9.3 percent double IPA. Um, those are those are some of the ones that people would know us for. And then we have our seasonals, and we have some of our our specialties like Reserva. Um, Reserva is our uh, barrel aged sour with raspberries that we do. That usually comes in around 10, 10 and a half percent. Uh, Lacto and Brett soured um, barrel aged beer that we do at least once a year. Last year we did it twice because it was it was ready to come out, so we did it two times. Now a lot of people know Victory and they know Trogues for craft beer in Pennsylvania. What's your distribution like in the state of Pennsylvania and also outside of Pennsylvania? Because we know these other breweries, they get a lot of the props for it, but where are you guys available at? We're available all throughout Pennsylvania. Um, every every county in the state actually uh all of new jersey new york we're actually in i think it's close to 30 states now all up and down the eastern seaboard out to michigan we're going to be opening up um most likely indiana illinois definitely texas this year and maybe even colorado and then we're also looking into europe there's two two countries in europe that we're looking to get into also um I can't think of the, the, the countries off the top of my head, but we have limited European distribution right now, but we're looking to add two more countries in Europe. So if people are looking for you online, where can they find you? Wirebacher.com. They can find us and they can find any distributor in their area that carries us. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. Wirebacher.com. Check them out. Thanks, everyone, for listening to episode 119 of ShouldIDrinkThat.com, live from Oktoberfest, Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. You can find us on Twitter, Periscope, at SIDT, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Google+, Should I Drink That?, Snapchat, SIDT Beer, or on Untapped, username Spoon, S-P-O-O-N, like the utensil. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now on Google Play. You're one of those cool kids on Google Play now. First class of podcasters. Thanks, everyone. Good beer. Good night.